You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, sitting in for Juliana Forlano, and this is a special Memorial Day edition of Waking Up. So as you plan your day, a few things to keep in mind. Uh, Because of the holiday, uh, New York City subway will be operating on a Sunday schedule, as will Metro North. Then Long Island Railroad's running on a holiday schedule. Check mta.info for the latest updates. Your public schools and federal, state, and local government offices are closed in New York. Alternate side parking rules are suspended. The National Weather Service says it'll be mostly sunny today. Highs near around 79, going down to about 59 tonight. Uh, If you're looking for ways to share in today's observances, the annual Memorial Day commemoration ceremony takes place at the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, Riverside Drive and West 89th Street in Manhattan, beginning at 10 a.m. And if you have the children with you, the Children's Museum of Manhattan offers patriotic crafts programs honoring members of our armed forces. That's at 212 West 83rd Street from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m today. So we've been talking about Memorial Day uh, throughout the program. This is uh, the second hour of our of our special edition of Waking Up. And we were saying earlier that, you know, for, for some Americans, for a lot of Americans, and there's nothing wrong with that, that, you know, Memorial Day is a, a time to, to remember generally those who have given their lives in service, but it's also a time to, to take a break, to maybe uh, go to the beach, to, uh, you know, take some time off from work, spend time with your friends, your family. And for other people, uh, unfortunately, it's one more day in the year that uh, that they have to spend without someone that you know was close to them, it's one of the people that they really loved the most. So, uh, joining us now to talk about the true meaning of Memorial Day, we have Cindy Jones. Uh, on October twenty sixth, two thousand nine, her son. United States Marine Corps Captain Eric A. Jones was killed in a helicopter collision during a combat mission in Afghanistan. Cindy went on to found the nonprofit group Heroes in Transition to provide assistance to veterans in memory of her son. Cindy, it's really an honor to have you on Waking Up With Us today. Thanks for being here. Oh, Celeste, it's an honor to be here. I really am. I really am honored. (laughs) Thank you. So, 
So tell us about your son. Tell us about Eric. He really sounds like the kind of person that we would have been lucky to know that I would have liked to know. And I was struck that uh, in a letter that you have on uh, on your website uh, for Heroes in Transition, you describe him as uh, having been an easy child to love. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that Eric came into this world knowing exactly what his mission was. He was one of those rare people. Um, from the age of, of four or five, he um, had decided he he was going to become a Marine. Um, the caregiver that he had, her son came home, and he was a Marine, and from that point on, that was Eric's direction. Um, at the age of 10 he, or 11, he started becoming very interested in flying, creating model airplanes, and doing flight simulators on the computer. But um, And I never gave it a thought. Um, that he would go into the military, he would ever become a Marine. And the reason was because Eric was such a gentle soul. Um, he was the one who would stand by his friends or anybody who was bullied. He was in high school. He was in a very large group of friends. I mean, he always had a lot of friends, but he was the one who was the mediator, always wanted to make peace out of chaos. Um, this was this was Eric. Um, and I didn't realize that he was going into into the Marines until he came home from, from break on college, and he came to me and said, Mom, I'm going to go to Officers Candidate School in Quantico after graduation. How did you feel, and, when, he and, said, how did you feel when he said that to you? Um, it, it's kind of a, I look at it now and kind of laugh at it. Um, he was Eric, Eric with that beautiful smile of his, his half smile, and he was, we were sitting on the table, and it's just the two of us, and I'm making, chopping up <laughs> my, my vegetables for dinner, and I had a knife in my hand, and I'm chopping, and he said to me, I'm going into, I signed up to the Marines, um, and I looked at him, and I held the knife up, and I became, such anxiety came through me. He was my only child, and I looked at him, and I said, do you realize you could get killed that way? And his comment, his face, that half-smile came to his face. His eyes started twinkling, and he said, I can't think of a more honorable way to die. That was it. The wind went out of my sail. I never asked again, because at that point I realized that Eric was his own person. Of all my readings and, and working with children, I know that everybody has their own journey in life, and this was his. And, and you know, it was... I let go. And how old was he when he went into the service? Um, Eric, um, Eric was—he had just graduated. He was twenty-two or twenty-three. He was twenty-three. Um, he graduated May first at Northeastern, and June first he was in Quantico. And I have to tell you, it hurt me more to drop him off at Quantico than it did drop him off at the first day of college at, at Northeastern in Boston. So, um, yeah, everybody has their own journey in life, and this was his. He was a warrior. All our military people, when they choose to go in, they are the warrior archetype. And we're honored to have, I'm honored to have been his mother. And I think that's the way most of us um, military parents feel. This is their journey, and it's an honorable one. So how long had he actually been in in the service? Uh, how long? Had, he was a, a pilot, and we, we uh, talked about that a little bit, but um, you know, how long had he been in the service when uh, when this collision happened, and, and how did you find out about that? 
Um, Eric graduated, I believe, in, Eric graduated in 2004, and in 2009 he was killed, so he was there for five years. Um, he went to training, he went to Quantico, got his um, um, bars, he was lieutenant, and then went to uh, Pensacola for two years, or a year, two years of uh, training, um, and then was um, transferred out to uh, Pendleton, Camp Pendleton in California, and then served two tours, the first tour in Iraq, and the second tour was Iraq, and then Afghanistan. Iraq was closing down and then transferred over to Afghanistan. In 2009, he was, um, as you had mentioned, um, killed in a, in a collision. Four honorable um, Marines died that night. And what, you said he was your, he was your only child. Um, yes. And so he was the love of my life. He was the light of my life. He was he was a child that helped me. I think, you know, as parents we, we teach our children, but he taught me so much in life. He taught me not to be nervous, not to to life was to be lived and and you know, you move on and, and you make mistakes and you correct them and you keep going. That's what Eric taught me. One day I came home so upset and, and uptight about work, and, and, and he sat there and listened. He was only 12, and he sat there and listened to me, and then he said, Mom, chill. She's doing the best she can. And from a child, you just, you just wow, you stand back and go, where did that wisdom come from? So, um, so when you were, you were talking about, uh, you know, being being a mom and having that experience of having your son, in this case, your only son, come to you and saying, you know, Mom, this is this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, other parents maybe had conversations like that or said, you know, great son or great daughter, I'm very happy for you to, to go in the service. Or other parents maybe said, look, you know, maybe there's something else you want to do. I'm really worried. I'm really scared. I mean, and for Gold Star parents today, I mean, you've been you've been living through this now for it'll be almost ten years, um, right? But what can you say to other parents who may be experiencing this Memorial Day as the first time that they don't have their uh, their son or their daughter with them? Um, well, there there are there are two ways of looking at it. Um, I think as as a Gold Star parent, um, first of all, it, it's 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 heart wrenching. Um, and you just, my, the way I turned it around, um, I was, right after Eric died, I was having a horrible, horrible time, and, um, and I, I just said, how could I have ever gotten out of this pain? I remember I was just ripping pictures up and, and just in so much pain, and then a thought came to me that the only way out of that pain would never to have had him and that hurt me even more than losing him. And that's when I turned it around and realized, my God, I have been so blessed to have had this child in my life for 29 years. Um, on that, and I think as a parent, especially as a ghost star parent, there's pride, and but there's also that that these men and women that come into this world have their 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 plan, their contract with God. This is the, what they do. They are the warrior archetypes. Not everybody is. Not everybody has to be. But, but these men and women 
um, are sent to us as a parent to get to learn something, whether positive or negative. They learn from us, and 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 everything that they learn creates or builds in into their character, and that's why they they have chosen to go on. I felt I turned it around and realized how blessed I was, even though it was a short time. I was so blessed to have been his mother. Um, and then the other thing I think we all have to remember that you know, that we come into this world with a with an exit date. I really thoroughly believe that my grandmother always said that you come into this world and you're leaving at a certain date. But after Eric died, I did find it in the Bible. Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen says of me says you knew of me before I was of substance, for my days were numbered in your book. So the way I look at it, that no matter where Eric was on October 26, 2009, whether he was in Afghanistan, out in California, at home, that was his day that he went home. So you have to look at it that way, and this is not the destination. I think you just, as a Gold Star parent, there's such pride, and and it's hard. It's hard because, and I don't do the... They could have or what ifs. I don't do that. Um, I just I am so honored to have been his mother, and I think as a ghost star parent, you have to feel that way. So tell us. So then you were you were motivated to to sort of turn your energies to creating this group, uh, uh, Heroes in Transition, and tell us a little bit about what you try to do because you do some pretty unique things there. You've identified certain unique needs uh, in the community that you try to help people out with. Um, we we do. Um, it, and it, actually, it all started. <laughs> It started the last Christmas that Eric was home, um, and talking about, I mentioned that he gave all his packages away, and Eric said, Mom, my guys get nothing from home. And it was at that point that my heart was so pierced to think that anybody would send um, a loved one off and not, not send a card. So um, I realized then there was need, and then when Eric came home, it was on the tarmac of, of Dover, that I grabbed my husband's hand and I said, we will, we will carry on Eric's mission. And Eric's mission, the reason why Eric picked helicopters is because he wanted to be close to the troops on the ground and protect them. So when he did die, we gathered um, his, one of his, his best friend and my husband and I, and we sat down and, and talked about ways in which to help. Um, so it was Mike Washar, my husband and I, and we did our research and we found out that that there were four areas that that we could work on that local, federal, local, and state agencies um, um, cannot provide or can you know we could help with. One of them was um, service dogs. Uh, we did transitional support group therapy. We did uh, home modification, and then financial assistance. And in the in the years that we have done, and this is now going on our tenth our 10th year, um, we have evolved. Our dog program has now become a three-tiered dog program where we found out that the service dogs, um, after they, after our men and women come home, um, the, the companion, the dog is, is necessary to help them get out of the house, to get them to, to provide that, that comfort when they have their nightmares or back flashes. But after a time, a lot of them did not need their dog to 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 go out into society. So we we learned to, and um, we have 
um, companion dogs now, that we provide companion dogs and training for them. The next level of dogs would be therapy dogs, which is a more involved training where they can take the dogs into nursing homes and schools um, and institutions. And then the third do- the third level is the ADI-accredited um, service dogs, mm-hmm. and those are highly trained dogs that are come from only ADI um, organizations. Um, so we have evolved that way. Our transitional support group, um, which I probably am so proud of, is um, we started with equine therapy for families. We um, basic, being, fortunately being around uh, Joint Base Cape Cod, um, we are well aware of, of deployments here. And the first year we did it, we, we had a group of mothers um, whose husbands were just deployed um, to Afghanistan. And we had brought the mothers and the children together with the horses, and it was equine therapy and dinner and then activities. Um, it was it brought a closeness. It created a community among among the mothers, and that evolved into um, having not necessarily around deployments, but just bringing all these families in. And it, it, there's a bond that's created, and working with horses is so magical. Uh, horses have an unbelievable ability of mirroring um, ang- mirroring your personality or mirroring your anxiety. Um, you, you have to learn to control in order for the horse to come to you. Um, horses are just, for me, the grief with the horse, when I'm with the horse, my, my grief kind of stands beside me. So that that has evolved, and, and now we, we, do, we do double sessions. We do two in the summertime. Um, our couples that led into our couples uh, program, hmm. which um, doing our research found out that divorces the divorce rate is so high, and the reason for a lot of that is the communication skills and being able to read the signs. So we started with um, monthly meetings with couples, bringing them and creating a community among them. Because when they when they when a military when a person comes out of the military. They lose their brotherhood and sisterhood. Right. They're put back into a society, and there's nobody that they can relate to. So coming home is very difficult for them. Um, so when we pull the couples together, they started bonding. And, and a spouse would ask another spouse, how does this work? And, and our facilitators who had experience with this would help that. And that led to our our couples retreat in the fall we have a weekend on the cape um and that um also focuses on communication skills but we also do a lot of teamwork in the afternoon and and it's it's a lot of fun but it also brings them together and um, I, I saw that you have uh, some some relatively new programming that's specifically for for women veterans the the reboot program. Can you we do We're tell me all about why, why was that uh, why was that important? It, it sounds interesting. Tell me more. Um, well, female female veterans have other issues as well, um, and it's um, very extremely stressful. So we have um, we have extended our our program to to. Just, just for the needs of females. So we created a program called Reboot, and Reboot has three um, modalities. We, we incorporate yoga, meditation, and Reiki, hmm. which, um, which is really the body, the mind, the, the mind, the body, and the spirit connection. 
for our females. It's a it's a quiet. It's a it's a wonderful program. We meet once a week, um, and it it helps with. Um, we give them the tools for um, you know for coping with stress and trauma, and to improve you know their relationships. It helps them to center themselves, to balance themselves, to ground themselves. Um, it, it's just a very you know the females come together. Um, we sit. We we do the we do all three of them, and it's 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 so quiet, and and it creates again a community where you're bonding, and and women don't know each other, and when they when they leave there there there's that connection, and it's that you know it's that sisterhood or brotherhood that the military is so you know noted for. I mean, when you when you go into the military, you're trained to be as a team. There's no I in that team, and um, your life depends upon the guy next to you. So, um, basically, what we're trying to do is is to to increase, you know, to bring that home for them. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Waking Up here on WBAI New York. I'm Celeste Katz, and I'm speaking with Gold Star Mom Cindy Jones. She is the uh, co-founder of Heroes in Transition, which is a group that she created to help veterans after the loss of her son, uh, United States Marine Corps Captain Eric A. Jones, in 2009. And... um, Cindy, I I hope this uh, hope this isn't like really like a hard question, but I I would like to know. Um, I think it might be meaningful to people who are listening today. Um, what would you say to young men and young women who might be considering joining the armed forces today? And what do you think Eric would tell them? I think Eric would be standing proud and smiling and tapping him on the back and saying good for you. Um, in fact, I just went to a graduation yesterday of a, of a young man who is going into, um, um, into the Marines. Um, and I, it's, it's an honorable thing to do. And if it's in their heart, no one can say anything to them. Um, you have to fulfill what you come into this life for. Um, I, um, it's hard as a parent but you have to let go of the anxiety. Life happens um, no matter what happens. I mean, as I said before, I think our lives have been planned before we come here. You can't stop that. And um, and as a parent, I think there's such pride in knowing that your son and daughter is going to do something so honorable. And, and Eric would be right there, too. I know he would be. <laughs> I know that smile when he said to me he was going into the Marines. It was like, okay, this was this is his life. And how can people find out more about Heroes in Transition if they want to help, if they need help? Where where can we send them? Where can they look? Um, we have a website, www.heroesintransition.org. Um, all our information's on our website. Um, it's always updated. We have a wonderful um a marketing man director, uh, Jill Blanchard. We have an amazing uh, executive director, uh, Nicole Spencer. Um, any questions, um, you can go right um, on contact at Heroes in Transition. Um, we answer our, um, our emails every day. Um, we also have a Facebook page that, that shows all our activities, and we do a lot of activities um, within our program. So, 
that's always on Facebook. Um, we have what we call the Ruck Race, the Ruck for Hit Race mm-hmm. in, in May, which is a grueling race. It's uh, 220 miles, uh, 36-hour race, when you're running with 20 to 30 pounds on your back. Um, and that's our huge event, and um, we're always looking for teams for that. Um, it, it's just amazing the connections that are, are made um, people that have come into my life since Eric has passed is is just, you know, God closes one door and opens another. So these beautiful people have come in, and 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 it's, the connections are, are you, you can't explain them. It's not by coincidence. So we, um, we are out there on Facebook and um, on our website, and we welcome any comments or um, if we can help, we're here. And uh, the the last thing, you know, maybe um, uh, one more thought before we close on, how would you like people to celebrate or to mark Memorial Day this year or, or in any year? I, um, it's, it's just seeing what people are doing. Um, the National Cemetery is just full of flags. People go out and, and, and volunteer. Um, the town, the town ceremonies, um, all of that, just, just, and looking on Facebook when people say, don't say Happy Memorial Day. It's not a happy day. Um, honor the, the ones that have given their lives for them. I think um, all of that is so meaningful. To a Gold Star parent, every single day is, is a Memorial Day. Um, to have the United States, to have a day set aside touches my heart because that at least that one day I know that people are thinking of all the ones that have given their lives for their freedom. It's so meaningful. It's like standing for the national um, anthem. You know, you just, there's a pride. And when people do that and when people take the time to do that, it touches my heart. Um, When I get on Facebook, on my Facebook page, or, you know, and people make comments, at least I know Eric is still alive in other people's hearts. And, and so all of our, as a Gold Star parent, all our sons and daughters, it's the one day that other people are thinking too. And that makes a lot because every day we're thinking, and we may be thinking by ourselves, but this one day he or she is in the minds of others. So it's, it's a special day. Cindy Jones, um, thank you for for being with us. Thank you for creating Heroes in Transition. And uh, everybody here at WBAI will be thinking of you and will be thinking of your son this Memorial Day. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, I'm honored. And thank you, Celeste, so much for selecting me to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we are going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, more uh, Memorial Day programming, more news, more announcements. You're listening to Waking Up on WBAI 99.5 FM, New York. Feel like years when I'm alone and the bed. Was- 
You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Waking Up. I'm Celeste Katz sitting in for Juliana Forlano. And we have warm weather on deck for Memorial Day. It's going to be up to uh, nearly 80 degrees in New York today, uh, dropping down to around 59 tonight. Just a reminder that uh, your public schools and government offices are closed in observance of the holiday. Check mass transit schedules for uh, operating on Sunday or holiday schedules, uh, including the New York City subway, Metro North, and the 
the Long Island Railroad. Um, while we're doing the announcements, I also just want to take a brief moment to uh, remind you about what we call our WBAI Buddies program here at the station. Uh, if you have a show that you really like, help us keep that show on the air. Please go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and say you want to become a WBAI buddy in the name of your favorite program. It only takes two minutes to sign up. It's a recurring monthly donation in any amount you choose. Your gift helps us keep independent, commercial-free radio on the air. You can just go right to WBAI.org or you can text WBAI to 41444 on your smartphone to join us. Uh, we'll send you a gift for ha- for helping us out. Uh, you'll have our, our deep, deep appreciation. Uh, we can use your help also with our More Than Mike's campaign, which is uh, uh almost completed a project to build out a new studio so that we can bring you a clearer programming, better sound, more uh, lines for your phone calls. Uh, help us get there. Please help us get to the finish line. We are very, very close and we could use your help. 516-620-3602 is the number. 516-620-3602 is the number. And we really thank you for supporting all of our programming here at WBAI. So we are going to be hearing from uh, a final guest today shortly in this uh, special edition of Waking Up. Uh, but before that, um, while we are uh, remaining on the subject of, of Memorial Day, and we were uh, very, uh, very honored just now to speak with uh, Cindy Jones. She's a, a gold star mother who founded a group called Heroes in Transition to, uh, to help people who are, are coming back from, uh, from military service trying to get back into uh, uh, you know, regular civilian life without that, that the support or the, the familiarity of maybe that, that brotherhood or the sisterhood that they experienced while they were in the service. And um, uh, on that note, I want to take a moment to play for you a message that was pointed out to me actually by a, a dear friend of mine, Stephanie Gaskell, who's a, a person who's done some remarkable reporting on veterans and on the military. So what you're about to hear is the voice of General Robert Neller. He is the Commandant of the United States Marine Corps, and he's talking about how important it is for people in the service to not be afraid or ashamed to reach out for help if they need it. I think it's a very fitting message for Memorial Day and really for every day. So let's just take a moment to listen. We're waiting to talk to a Marine when there's a problem. It's too late. Hey, life is tough. Being a Marine is tough. Nobody said this was gonna be easy, but you can deal with this. It has to be dealt with. You gotta understand there's a lot of people that care about us. The nation cares. So let us help. Let us help. We'll try to help you help yourself and let us help each other. If if you can't do self-aid, okay, fine. Then you're there, your buddy's there to do aid. And if your buddy can't help you, then we, we, we take you to a higher echelon of care. There's nothing wrong with that. Thanks. All right, see what you can do with that. I'm still not sure it's... I'm gonna do anything and
and you were just listening to a message from General Robert Neller. He's the Commandant of the United States Marine Corps, uh, speaking there about uh, his hope. And it, it sounds like, uh, you know, his concern, frankly, hoping that he is getting that message across that uh, that there is support for uh, for people in the service uh, on Memorial Day, but but every day, um, if if uh, if there's uh, something that they need to uh, they need to discuss, if they feel like they need to 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 reach out. Um, so whether you agree with this country's military policy or not, um, you know, as we discussed with our, our earlier guests from the veterans and the Gold Star communities, Memorial Day can be a hard time. So there are resources out there if you need support. And uh, uh, Kristen Rouse, who was on earlier, mentioned one of those. It's called the Veterans Crisis Line. The number is 800-273-8255. 800 800- Two seven three eight two five five to talk to someone, or you can start a confidential chat session online if you prefer at veteranscrisisline.net. So 800-273-8255 or veteranscrisisline.net. If you need help, it's okay. Please don't wait. Please call. Our final guest today on Waking Up here on WBAI is Stacy Washington. She is an Air Force veteran, and she's the host of the nationally syndicated Stacy on the Right show, which is heard on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. She was the Second Amendment Foundation's 2018 Journalist of the Year and has also received an Emmy nomination for her work in television. She's the co-chair of the Project 21 National Advisory Council of the National Center for Public Policy Research. Stacy grew up in a military family. Uh, I talk to her sometimes on her program, so we are, uh, uh, we are trading off here, but I know that she keeps a close eye on all these military issues from her own very unique and special perspective. So Stacy, thanks a lot for being with us today. Hey, Celeste. Thanks for having me on. So I just want to ask to start, um, you know, as a, as a veteran yourself and somebody who also grew up, I believe, as an Army brat, right? You, were, you spent a lot of your childhood uh, overseas. Your father was in the service. Um, That's right. So how do you traditionally mark a Memorial Day? How do you observe it? And, and I was curious as to how that's changed, do you think, maybe since you were in the Air Force and also when you were growing up and your father was in the Army? Uh, it's pretty much been the same. Memorial Day has always been um, a, there's always either a, a ceremony to go to or a parade um, to honor the fallen. Or um, in this case, we live in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri, and so there isn't a huge parade here on Memorial Day. And so we kind of commemorate it at home. We talk about the members of our family who have served on active duty. And then we usually barbecue and just try to keep it as family time. Um, I think a lot of service members who are overseas, they have the opportunity to celebrate it in a little more unique way if you're on a military base. But we aren't on one anymore because we're civilians now and have been for a while. So it's it's a pretty low-key celebration. Yesterday at church, um, they had a brief just moment of silence and um, a video memorializing those who we've lost to war and combat. And, um, and then after that, you know, we talked about it just a tad and and it's going to be pretty low key today, but nice. It's nice to have some time off as a family as well. 
And one of the things that we were talking about, some of our guests earlier, there was uh, uh, some questions actually that came up because we just can never escape from politics or maybe I just can never escape from from, from mm-hmm. politics. But uh, there were some questions that came up about uh, Mayor de Blasio meeting with veterans, perhaps uh, on the presidential campaign trail versus meeting with them here and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody who watches government very closely, I wanted to ask you about this. You know, we always hear about our elected officials, especially on days like Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and so on, you know, talking about how much we support the troops and we love the troops and and, and so on and so forth. But we just saw Congress uh, go, you know, leave leave for the, uh, for the break without uh, dealing with what's called the Gold Star Family Tax Relief Act. It's also called the Widow's Tax, which is essentially um, uh, something that resulted with the tax reforms back in 2017. Um, survivors of people who, who uh, lost their lives in military service actually saw their tax bills go up. So this uh, Gold Star Family Act was going to fix that problem, and it didn't get done. So, I mean, you know Washington; you're familiar with uh, with the federal government and you know Congress and so on. Like, how do we square what all these people may say uh, about supporting our troops and veterans' families on a day like Memorial Day or Veterans Day, but then legislation ends up, you know? getting held up or delayed or not going anywhere? Well, I mean, um, I think it's uh, pretty typical right now for Congress to be very slow to move on legislation, even if it's something simple that seems really bipartisan, like the Gold Star Families Act. You would think that it would be something they could get done before the break so that they could celebrate with their constituents while they were at home. Um, I'm not surprised at all, Celeste, that they didn't get it passed. And I think the partisanship and gridlock that we're seeing is really, it's, it's kind of um, a hallmark for our time. It has been kind of a consistent pattern for the past couple of presidencies. And really, it looks like it's going to go on into the future, whether no matter who's in control of Congress and no matter who is in the White House, that there's going to be a lot of gridlock. And I, part of it is because Congress has abdicated a lot of their authority in legislating to rulemakers and bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. And so the rule, the rulemakers and bureaucrats actually introduce rules and regulations that should be passed as law in Congress, but because Congress has abdicated their authority there, these unelected bureaucrats get to do this, and Americans can't hold them accountable because we don't elect them, we don't hire them, we don't have the ability to fire them, which then insulates Congress from having to do as much legislating as we would expect them to. And the symptom of that is when there is a bill like the Gold Star Families Act that they could work together and pass, they don't feel motivated to do it because they haven't passed any significant legislation on a regular basis the way they used to be required to do when the rulemaking and um, regulations were in their authority as legislators. So, you know, for for the average person who may not be, uh, you know, following every every twist and turn of of congress it's you know there are people people like you and me who make this their uh, business and uh uh real people have uh real lives real things to do uh you know what are they you know what are what are people supposed to take away from uh you know should they be frustrated do you think that um uh 
you hear, for example, about people not getting adequate treatment, for example, from the um, from the VA, or you hear about uh, uh, disturbing suicide rates uh, among among veterans and so on. I mean, it's just. Do you think that anything is going to be done anytime soon under this administration, or will it take a new administration um, to to really address these things? What what do you feel like is sort of the next step here? Well, actually, under this administration and the current VA secretary, which I believe is an acting secretary and the one who served for, I think, 18 months at the beginning of President Trump's administration, we've already seen um, the heavy reliance on the Veterans Administration for medical care for veterans be reduced through more opportunities for service members to use private doctors. Additionally, you know, we had the VA scandal during the last administration, which in which we saw 387,000 service members die while waiting for an appointment with the VA. That has all changed as well. There is now a system in place that makes it possible for veterans to, if they're waiting too long to get an appointment with the VA, they're able to go to a private doctor. So there have been some changes made, some positive ones, but I always encourage people to go back to what worked. It used to be that in America, before the age of the Internet and social media, when we had a problem with a service or a, a thing that, had, that was controlled by Congress, we would actually sit down and write a letter or type out an email to our legislator, and we would send it to them. And they would use those letters, and each letter from a constituent, depending on the size of their district, represented the thoughts of 12,000 people or so, depending on the size of the district. And if they got 100 letters on a topic, it meant that that topic went to the top of their list and they had to do a press release and maybe some public comment on it. The other thing we can do is call our legislators' offices, both in Washington, D.C. and at, at home, their home congressional offices. And last, just pay attention to their social media accounts. And when they're in town, stop by their office. They usually have some public time at their office when they're in town. Stop by, shake their hand, and become acquainted with them email them on a regular basis, and write paper letters. I think those are much more impactful than the comments that we make on their social media pages or the tweets that we send them because the paper letters about a specific issue represent a much more heavy time commitment on the part of the constituent, and they are the more traditional method for reaching them. And that's what I've been encouraging our listeners to do. That's interesting because it's it's sort of uh, uh, it's sort of going backwards to go forwards in a way. I mean, there is a lot of noise surrounding social media and just sort of angry tweeting at uh, the people who make these decisions. You're saying is essentially not. It may be uh, more immediate, but it is possibly less effective. I really feel like it is because, um, in, in my own case, we have a state senator here. And I live in his district, and um, I reached out to him as a constituent, not as a media person. I wasn't seeking a public comment, just uh, as a, on a personal issue in our district that has to do with our home. And I actually was able to get his cell phone number um, from another legislator that I know, and I sent a, a text message. And then I made a comment on his Facebook page, and I have yet to receive a phone call back. Now, that's a state senator, but, uh, again, the reason I'm pointing this out with him is because he has far fewer constituents in his district than my congresswoman, Ann Wagner, or my, uh, my, my actual senator, my federal senator, um, Roy Blunt, and Josh Hawley is our junior senator. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point out that I didn't write a letter, a paper letter. My husband said, you know, you're advising people to do this. Why didn't you write a paper letter? And it occurred to me, I, 
I did the very thing I've been telling people, you know, don't, don't go to their social media. Um, and I, I thought maybe a text message would actually be the fastest way, but I didn't receive a response back. So I'm encouraging people to use the more traditional methods to see if they can get these legislators back into some semblance of what the founders offered to us and enshrined in our Constitution, which is representation. Um, each of those people actually works for us. And after we have voted them into office, they're supposed to respond to our concerns. And I know that that doesn't mean we're going to get a personal answer back from the legislator on every little thing, but on major issues, major contact points, if you send a communication, especially if it's an email or a letter, you should expect some response. And so I, I encourage people to do that. So so going back to uh, Memorial Day for just a moment and, and for your, your own service, and by the way, for, for listeners who, who may not know, um, tell us a little bit about your, your own military service. Oh, I served on active duty in the Air Force for uh, one, one term, um, one enlistment, and I was a uh, maintenance data systems analyst on the F-15 and F-16 fighting, fighting Eagle. And um, it was like some of the best years of my life. My husband and I actually met while we were on active duty and got married. And um, my base that I served at was Edwin Air Force Base in Florida. And um, I, I just... I loved my time in the military and probably because it was the closest approximation to my childhood because I grew up on military installations all over Germany. Um, and so I, I, it was a wonderful time for me and I learned a lot and I think it really set me on a trajectory where I could do almost anything. Um, the military service makes you ready to um, tackle any, any area, any arena and it's so wonderful nowadays that we have even more high-tech, high-skilled areas in which uh, active duty service members can serve and then transition out into the civilian world afterwards. And so it's, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I remember that time really fondly and me and my husband have fun stories that we share with the kids about it. And, you know, talking about from uh, when you were growing up to when you uh, uh, were in the service yourself and looking at today, um, would you do it again, or would you advise, what would you say to somebody who is considering uh, going into the military today, you know, of, of today versus the military of the time when you were uh, on active duty? Well, yeah, I would. I'd say go for it. Um, you know, so my dad was in the Army, my granddad was in the Army, and my great-granddad was in the Army. I met my husband on active duty in the Air Force. And he has some relatives on his side of the family who also served. And I just, when I think of what the military does for you as a person, and I was enlisted, of course, I wasn't an officer. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I still think this applies for people who go in after they get their college degrees. And that is that the military trains you to operate outside of your own first self-interest. So it doesn't mean that the military takes away your desire to do things for yourself, but you are actually working for something that's larger than yourself on behalf of something that's greater than yourself, and that's our country. Um, and so it, I think if you say, would you say yes to people? I've, I've had that question many times over the years that we've been out, and every time I've said, yes, go in, but just pick your specialty. Pick something that you really want to do. Don't let them kind of place you in a specialty that they need to fill. Choose a specialty that really suits your personality and what you like and go into it knowing that the Air Force and the military, it changes you, but it's for the better. And the love and patriotism that you get to um, exemplify on active duty is 
an amazing experience. It's something amazing to take part of. But it also changes you as a person and enables you to view the world and the United States from a different lens. And that lens is one of um, service. And so I just, yeah, I absolutely recommend it. And Stacey Washington, where can people uh, listen to your program and find out more about you and your work? Oh, StaceyOnTheRight.com is my website, and uh, you can listen on radio. We're in 36 states now on 189 affiliates. It's the Stacey on the Right show. You can live stream it at AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Perfect. Stacey Washington, it's been a pleasure to have you here uh, to share Memorial Day with us on WBAI. Hey, Celeste, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Take care. So we are going to be wrapping up pretty soon. Uh, we want to thank uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this very special edition of Waking Up. Uh, we appreciate all the great guests that we heard from today, including Jeremy Butler, Danielle Bernstein, and Jason Maris. Kristen Rouse, Cindy Jones, and Stacey Washington. And of course, we appreciate you, our listeners, today and every day. Our associate producer is Alana Levinson, our engineer is Michael Haskins, and our program director is Linda Perry. Juliana Forlano returns Tuesday, and I'll be on the air Thursday for Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons at 5 p.m. Stay right here right now for Democracy Now! coming up next, and have a safe and meaningful Memorial Day. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz.
Hey, this is Shaka Khan, and you're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM. Hello, new listener. Actually, maybe you've been listening to WBAI for a while, but you aren't a member. You heard us asking for support, but you thought we were talking to someone else. Well, we're talking to you. Whatever the reason that you didn't give before, now is the time to put aside the excuses and pitch in. What's a comfortable place to start your membership? How about $10 a month? Maybe more. WBAI counts on listener support. It's our only source of funding. Your gift goes a long way towards bringing you the in-depth news and accurate information that you count on. Call us with your contribution at 516-620-3602 or go to give to wbai.org. Whatever you can do, please do it now. A sustaining member, $10 a month or more, become a WBAI buddy. Again, that's 516-620-3602. Maybe you're a new listener or you've been listening for years, but you're not a member. Now's the time to act. On Sunday, June 2nd, tune in to WBAI from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. for our special coverage of 50 Years Since Stonewall, Pride, Politics, and Progress. Back then, what began as a police raid led to days of protests, a newfound empowerment, and staunch advocacy to achieve social progress for the LGBTQ communities. And we'll speak with leaders on the front lines, elected officials, advocates, and history makers who've been part of the gay rights movement and have witnessed its successes and setbacks. This World Pride Month, WBAI celebrates achievements since Stonewall, and we speak out against Trump administration efforts to roll back these rights. 50 Years Since Stonewall on WBAI in New York, Sunday, June 2nd, from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mavis Staples. Anita Franco. Railroad Earth. The Whalers. The Mammals. Tom Chapin. Tom Paxton. And Margot Thunderbird. Are just a few of the many performers at the Clearwater Festival on June 15th and 16th. At Croton Point Park on the Hudson River. You can get a full weekend pass and support WBAI at the same time with a $95 donation. That's the early bird price that's not available anywhere else but here on WBAI. Call 516-620-3602 or go to www.give2wbai.org and put Clearwater in the search box. See you at the festival. You're listening to WBAI in New York at 99.5 FM and WBAI.org on the web. Thank you so much for tuning in. 